no matter what you've done and no matter what you've accomplished, there is so much greatness inside of you and that you are so incredibly capable and it will never disappear. That you, your time isn't up, you, your time hasn't passed, the time is now. And that at any moment you can turn a corner, at any moment you can decide, at any moment anything is possible. And that is the power of being conscious and being aware. So just know that there is so much more inside of you and it's there anytime you're ready to look in and to take it. Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Hey, it's Rob. Welcome to this very special episode of the podcast. I'm so excited to bring you this interview with Claudine Shishpatish. I have been wanting to get Claudine on this podcast for so long, and we finally made the time and recorded this interview. So, who is Claudine Shishpatish? Well, she's a high-performance mindset coach and a certified practitioner in emotionally intelligent leadership. Over the past 15 years, Claudine has worked with thousands of top performers across the globe, including the Australian Federal Police, government leaders, entrepreneurs, and Olympic-level athletes. Claudine is a 16-time national and international karate champion and a fourth-degree black belt. She also spent years working to alleviate poverty across Asia-Pacific and lived in the jungle running leadership programs. Claudine has also been communications lead for several bank mergers and served on the core writing team for TEDx Sydney. Today, when she's not helping others to create a winning mindset that they love, you can find Claudine surfing at one of the local beaches on the beautiful Gold Coast of Australia. This conversation deepens as we continue through it. You're going to learn so much about how Claudine reaches in to the minds and the hearts of her athletes and unlocks their highest potential. Take a lot of notes. If you're driving or running, get ready to take screenshots so you can remember which part of this podcast you're up to because you're going to go, want to go back and listen again and again. Please enjoy this amazing interview with Claudine Shishpatish. All right, I'm here with the amazing Claudine Shishpatish. Claudine, you have been an instrumental part of my growth and development over the past almost two years now and it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for carving out this time today. Thanks so much, Rob. Uh, it's an honour and honestly a joy to be here. Oh, well, we are the ones who are going to benefit from this. So strap yourself in if you're listening. This is going to be huge. Let's get straight into it. I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions so that the people listening can just uh, take the information and start to uh, apply it to their running and their life and, and learn the stuff that you have taught to me and so many other people across so many different fields. Uh, so let's get straight into it. I want to know how you developed your own mindset. Okay. Thanks, Rob. Well, I think that it's a classic case of both nurture and nature. So when I look back, you know, I was like a little girl and it was just so intrinsic to me, like to be so interested in excellence. So I was really, really interested in like people who were doing amazing things and particularly athletes who were just incredible. Like I'm talking when I was a kid, you know, I used to like beg to take the day off school when the Olympics were on just so that I could sit in front of the TV all day and watch the Olympics. And at the time I was a gymnast um, 
but I wasn't just watching the gymnastics. You know, I was obsessed with Carl Lewis, um, his running, the long jump. I was just so into all of these different sports and I just loved people who were doing them at the highest, highest level. So I really think that that dedication to excellence and just being amazing was really intrinsic to who I am. And then there's absolutely no question in terms of like, where did my own mindset come from? It came from so many different areas, but really what underpins it all was the conscious development of my own mindset. So I think starting off with karate training and becoming a karateka, you know, there's no question that one of the biggest influences has been studying and training karate for over 20 years. And then on top of that, competing for maybe 15 of those, um, something like that in the female opens black belt division. In fact, even when I was competing prior to that, you know, like I remember being a white, uh, I was a yellow belt. No, I was a white, I was a white belt preparing for my yellow belt. And I would spend every night like in the garden on my own, practicing my kata and doing the drills and that is forming character, you know, and I was doing that because I wanted to be the best yellow belt, you know, that I could be. And that was really just developing my own mindset and sharpening that. But, you know, in karate, it's all about mastering your inner self as much as your physical self. Then, of course, there's other things like I've got a degree in English literature, and that might seem like it has nothing to do with mindset, but I spent a couple, I got a joint degree. And, and so, you know, at one point I was reading like 10 books a week and I was obsessed with understanding these characters and the psychology of these, these characters. And that really allowed me to see all of these different perspectives and it allowed me to unpack things. What is going on with this person? Why would they do that? What's going on here? What was the historical nature of the time like? All of these things. And then that is sort of what I bring into coaching and into how I see how we do things because it adds all this depth to like how we think and how we feel and why we do what we do. So, you know, from karate to my my English literature studying, and then, of course, on top of that, there's just a relentless volume of actually studying and personal development, you know, I'm always studying something. I'm always reading a book. I'm always listening to podcasts and I'm always trying to walk the walk, you know, without question, I am my number one, my first client. I've, I've been my first client for a long, long time. So yeah, I, it's just really like years and years and years of passion and dedication to developing a mind that supports me, encourages me, that strives for excellence and that's always seeking new levels. What strikes me about that is, most people, maybe I'm projecting here, most people will be, if they want to improve their karate, they're looking at technique and style and physical training and who can I model and what do they do? But for you, it was different. It was about knowing that that mindset was paramount. How did you know so early on and for your whole life that mindset was so important alongside physical and technique? Well, again, I think, you know, I really need to point to I really need to, you know, thank and be so grateful for the karate club that I was training with because they studied personal development and they, like, whatever they were doing, I was doing. And so I was really immersed in their world. And the fact that 
it was really common knowledge that what you think you become. So, but I could see even earlier, you know, I was really interested in, in looking at, I think I've always just had this incredible interest in knowing that like what people think it, it, it creates their reality. And I, I really did sort of just lean into this, even as a teenager, knowing that, um, and I think this is sort of where my environment came into it. I could see people and I could see that the way that they thought and then how their circumstances would evolve. And I could see connections between those things. And of course, you know, the, the, the more I lived, the more I realized how incredibly true that was. Now, don't get me wrong. I was really, really into technique and I was really modeling technique and I'm equally obsessed with technique and getting those things right. But I also knew that actually probably my biggest asset was my ability to think my way into things and to believe or to use my mind to get through things. I think that was because I was never maybe the best physically. Um, and I just refused to sort of say, oh, okay, well then I'll just, that's, I'll just stop there. I was like, no, I want to find a way through this. And so I think, you know, I just leaned on probably what was my biggest asset, which, you know, I think is how I think and see the world and what I choose to believe. I love this so much, Claudine. Can you take us, like you're tremendously, the success you've had in karate is unbelievable. 16 time national and international champion. Um, can you take us through um, either the journey of you developing your mindset through the karate or specific moments, however you want to tell us, but I'd love to hear how you developed it and then, um, you know, maybe fell short a few times and then, you know, ended up with the amazing success you did. Well, I think, you know, I can certainly remember some key events where people were really encouraging me, like the chief instructor of the club is very, is very into thinking like it's very traditional karate and what I mean by that if you look at it like if you look at traditional karate it's very very structured it's very ancient and you know karate uh, and Japanese practitioners and the Okinawans you know they're really into just being super, super excellent and super attention to detail. So I really didn't think that I sort of stood out in any way. I just felt like this is just what people do and this is what karateka do. And to be honest, I was just doing what I saw the great people above me doing. But then I just kept going and going and going um, and I kept unpacking things and, and, and more and more and more. And there was also some belief systems in the karate club that I didn't quite agree with you know there was these kind of very fixed mindsets as well like you know sensei's always right are they really are they is sensei always right like no I actually don't think anyone is always right um and so I would find myself like questioning things questioning things but I would never say anything or be just like I never wanted to be disrespectful um but I always think to myself like what are the other ways there must be other ways to things and so I think I was developing quite early on like a way of self-coaching. And so, so to come back to, to your question, you know, in the beginning, it was really probably when I was like a brown belt and I sort of made this decision that I really wanted to be a champion and I really wanted to be excellent. And the way that I used my mind to become the Australasian, and there's no question, that was all mind because my skill was so below average. At that point, you know, it was really below par. But I developed like a series of practices 
that I absolutely committed myself to morning, morning, all day, all night, like morning, day and night for six weeks um, until, you know, I really just knew in my very being that I was going to win that title. And I did, you know, I came out of nowhere. I was the dark horse that no one was expecting and I won. And, and at that point, I actually thought that everything was mindset, right? Because here I was, I had just imagined and visualized and believed and willed my way into this thing. And, and I was so connected with myself and with everything that it just really, I hit this incredible magical flow state. And then, of course, I spent the next couple of years trying to get back there. And everyone was like now trying to beat me because I had just won this title and I just couldn't do it again. You know, there was this fall from grace and I, I just couldn't do it. You know, I didn't know how to do it. And now I was like, there was like this mystery of like, how do I unlock myself? How do I, how do I get back to that thing? And then when I competed in the world titles, like for our karate club the following year, I said that I wanted to win. And then, you know, I set that goal. It was always, I only have, after that point, I only ever had one goal, which was to win, 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 nothing else. I mean, there, okay, sorry, I apologize. There were some add-ons. It was like there might might have been some nuances, like here's how I want to win or here's the way that I want to win, et cetera. But I never said, oh, let's see if I can come fifth. No, it was always I want to win. And then for that world title, you know, I sort of just used my mind all the way through and I managed, even still my karate wasn't great, but I still managed to get through to the finals and I lost in that final and that's actually when I realized that mindset alone isn't enough and that you really need to manage your whole self. You need to manage your emotional state as well. And I wasn't, at, well, you could argue that I couldn't manage my mind and that's why I couldn't manage my emotional state. But either way, I couldn't manage myself. And because of it, I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't think clearly and strategically act in that final. And I lost that final and I lost that World Cup. And, you know, I was really, really devastated beyond belief. Like it took me a year, like you'd think that I had, you know, just like lost an Olympic gold medal or something with the level of seriousness that I treated. You know, I was so uptight and I was so serious. And, you know, I was really devastated. And, you know, I think from that, the, the suffering, the totally unnecessary suffering that I, that I pulled myself through for nearly an entire year afterwards I kind of realized like, hey, listen, it probably shouldn't be like this. You probably need to find some better ways. But it took me a long time. It took me many more years to learn how to win gracefully and how to lose gracefully. And there was a lot of losses. So just on that world title that I was trying to win, it actually took me 10 years. So in that first attempt where I came second, little did I know that would be the closest I would get for another decade. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, so 10 years of not getting it. Um, and yeah, I won a bunch of different things along the way. Like I was a national times champion many times over for both my karate style and for the national all styles as well. But that one could kept evading me. I couldn't unlock myself to get that one thing, but 10 years done. Yes, this is, and this is what I've learned from you is you are constantly, as you say, unlocking yourself and still pushing the the limits and expanding yourself and that's what you taught me so so much over these last two years you've just mentioned a few but i want to ask you um what are the components of that high performance winning mindset that you've just started to describe okay well you know my my 
if you go to my website, you know, I talk, I've got like six key components to a high-performing mindset. So I, I kind of put those there. But I just want to sort of say, if anyone wants to go and check those out, you know, I want to, I'm not sure what I want to do with those because I'm care, some of them might, might encourage people to sort of go into autopilot. So for example, like, okay, the first one, which is mindset by design, I think that's going to peak, peak, you know, people's curiosity and they won't sort of go onto any autopilot. But with the things like self-awareness, well, actually everyone thinks that they're self-aware more or less. And with growth mindset, most people are going to say, oh, I know what a growth mindset is. So rather than cover those off and for people to maybe accidentally sort of go into patterns around things that what they know, I'd like to sort of maybe present it in a totally different way to keep things fresh. Amazing. So I think that there are sort of three key things around a really high-performing mindset and, and, and a winning mindset. And a winning mindset just means a mindset that gets the thing that you want to get, right, or, or it gets the outcome or, or is, you know, it's going in the direction of your goals and dreams, not just like standing on top of the podium, want a bit more depth around that word winning. But the first one is that, you know, do you know how to make your mindset your ally? So I don't really think that we've got the highest performing winning mindset if our mind isn't our friend, if it's running all over the place, if it's undermining you, if it's, you, you know, if it's your worst critic, is it really a high performing mindset or is it something that you're in combat and in, in, in conflict with, right? So that's what I think maybe one of the qualities of a really high, like the highest performing mindset is when you know when you know your mind and you know how to be friends and connect with your mind and it knows how to work with you and you're working together. Uh, I think the second element is your ability to, to see your own thoughts objectively and to be able to detangle yourself from your own thinking. So most of us think that we are our thoughts now, there's this cliche that goes around that says you are not your thoughts, right? And people will agree. But actually, people don't, in my experience, people don't really know how to stop being their own thoughts. So it's this weird thing where it doesn't really make much sense. But actually, when you can sort of objectively look at your own thinking and say, oh, here are some things that I think, and you're able to analyze those and you're able to vet those versus be so entrenched and just simply believe any old narrative that you say, that to me is a much more uh, aware and conscious level mindset. And you can be far more high performing from that place. And then I think the third one is around having this really infinitely curious mindset, not a mindset that's fixed, not a mindset that knows everything. Because if you've got someone who knows everything, then well, what can you learn? Because your cup is full right? So we've got to have this really open, curious mind that is very robust in its assessment. So it's able to take a scenario, it's able to take a race and deconstruct it, it's able to take your strategy and deconstruct it, it's able to take anything and look at the nuances and look at the layers. And having that real robust thinking style is definitely a quality of the highest performing winning mindset. Because in my experience, if you've got that, if you don't have that, you don't know how to take yourself to the next level. Wow. 
so I'm not taking notes, but I can't wait to read to read this <laughs> and to go back. Um, but I've got so many questions that are in my brain that I want to ask you. Um, but I think the way that we can probably flesh this out more is to ask where you see runners the problems that they're doing with their mindset. So, what are some of the things you see commonly amongst athletes or runners that they're doing wrong or, or that are problematic? Okay. Well, I just want to say that you know runners are so awesome. Okay, like, can we just start with how amazing runners are? Like, they're doing the thing that everyone finds so difficult and everyone else loves complaining about it, but you guys who are running, you're getting up and you're super pumped and you're going for runs. So I just want to point out that there are so many great things that runners are doing and everyone should be celebrating themselves a whole lot more. Um, just because running is so joyful and running is expansive and I know so many runners who are doing so many amazing things and honestly I think the world's a better place because people go running so (laughs) but I think it's really true I think that the more people run I think the better we will be you know I think it creates a lot of space inside of us I think it's this real pause and this break Um, from the daily grind and I think that more people need that Um, so I'm a big fan and I have immense respect for every runner everyone you know whether you're a small distance runner whether you're a long distance runner it doesn't matter you're putting your shoes on and you're going out into the world and you're doing something that's challenging so that's awesome where I see runners accidentally limiting their performance can be in a variety of key ways. I think the first one is that they're just not aware of how they're thinking and they're not aware of what they're believing. And as a result, they're accidentally believing in some things about themselves that probably aren't that true. Okay. So Rob, if you remember when we first started, you know, talking together and some of your beliefs around your running, And then it just took a little scratch at the surface and we were like, oh, is this one really true? Maybe that one's not so true. Is this one right? And so we went through that process and very quickly we were able to see, actually, here's the type of runner that's more reflective and accurate of who you are. I still remember listing them all down with you and and just even having them written down, I had no awareness that I was thinking them until we wrote them all down and you just started questioning me. One by one, we worked through the list and they I was going to say you just managed, but they just managed to dissolve. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe it. And it was it was such one of the many awakenings I've had with you was exactly that, as you mentioned. So. Right. And, and you did that, I just want to point out, not, not me. That all happened inside of you, right? And all we did was that we started questioning, we started looking at the way that you were thinking, right, in a very safe way, right? Because we're not here judging. There's no judging. we got to take all judgment. we got to... Get rid of that because there's when we want to evolve, when we want to become the higher, better version of ourselves, we need to feel very, very safe. So we need to be safe because it can feel so scary, right? It's like, oh, what do I really think? What It can feel like this really unknown dark cave. But actually, I just want to point out that I'm the cave. You're the cave. There's no cave. It's just me and it's just you. Right. And when, and this is what I mean about learning to become your own closest best friend in a way, like, and have a mind that's supportive. Because if you're not judging yourself, then you're safe to say, oh, okay, let's have a look at these, Rob. 
Let's have a look. Oh, this one's not really true. Oh, look at this, Claudine. Here's what you think about yourself. Oh, is that fully true? You know, and we can start to unpack them and we can start to let them go. So I would say that, you know, if you're a runner, how do you know what you think is true? How do you, are you so sure, right? How can we be so sure? And one of the things is that we want to be sure because let's say, for example, I hear this all the time, all the time. And the statement is, I'm the, I'm a middle of the pack kind of runner. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And, and then when I do a bit of unpacking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not so sure this person is a middle of the road kind of anything, right? Like they're, they're, they're not middle of the pack. This is a perfect example of like the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is where, so typically what happens, and this is outside of the Dunning-Kruger, like I, um, I, you know, I can just see overall as a pattern everywhere is that the highest level of achievers usually always undervalue their performance. They always undervalue themselves, almost always. And then those who overinflate their ability or their performance, they usually have a lower competency level. And so either way, whatever's going on is that our level of accuracy isn't so accurate. And so if we can sort of look at what we think about running and just really without any judgment at all, just say, hey, what's really going on here? So I would say the mistakes that runners can make are not vetting their own thinking about who they are and what the quality of their running is. Um, I would say that being afraid of failing is like a really big one with runners because runners are perfectionists. It attracts, especially distance runners. Um, and Rob, you can correct me here if I'm if I'm wrong and you you disagree because you would know more long distance runners than me. But I find that they have a tendency to be like really high achievers, perfectionists, overachievers. They really want to do things excellent, you know, and they just don't want to fail. You know, people like that just don't want to fail. And then as a result, they're not sort of pushing the edge, pushing the edge. They're afraid to even like mess up training, right? Who's there? Who cares, right? But people are really afraid of like getting things wrong or, you know, burning out, you know, I get a lot of people reaching out to me, Claudine, what will I do if I, you know, I want to do my first hundred miler, but I'm worried that I'm going to what, get a DNF? I don't know. Go get a DNF and tell me how it goes. Like, what if we just decide, let's go get a DNF and see how far you can go? Like, do we have to be so perfect? Right? So I would say that freeing ourselves of this perfectionism is really, really important. Um, and then I would, the other one I would say is, oh, wait, I've got two more. I would say that sometimes runners can set their goals way too small. Wow. And this is another version of being like not feeling safe inside of themselves. So they don't want to push the boundaries with their running, right? I don't want to go too fast. I'm not going to make, I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, um, which is fair enough. But if you, you got to know yourself, you got to test those things so that you can know what you can handle and what you can do. And without that self-knowledge, you can't really know what you're going to do and what you're capable of. And so as a result, they, in order to feel safe, a lot of runners are setting their goals really small. They set it middle of the pack. They don't want to challenge themselves. And again, it's the same thing. They don't want to fail. Like they don't want to fail in their eyes. And I get it. I never wanted to fail too. Right. So I totally empathize. I was you. I was that person. Um, but if we can set ourselves free from that belief system, 
then your running is just going to, you're going to be more experimental with your running. You're going to be more curious. You're going to be more open and you're going to be bolder and stronger and more courageous. And you're going to get really fantastic results when you do things coming from a place of courage and freedom versus from a place of insecurity and fear. I love this. I, I, I'm just I'm having a little internal shift as we're talking. But, how, but for the people that resonate with that, as I absolutely do, that playing it safe, but not not knowing that you're playing it safe and protecting yourself and holding yourself back. Oh, that was me when I came to you, right? So, what? How do we remind ourselves when it's time to go for a run that, that to come from that freedom and courage and and permission to fail? What? How do we do that and, and to release ourselves from that? self-protection well the first thing is that you've got to be aware that it's happening Mm. and it happens way before the run it happens nowhere near where the running shoes are right so it happens when you're feeling safe and good and you've got to sit down and have a really honest conversation with yourself with me with someone like me about who you really are and how you're really doing things and what's really going on. And it's about having the ability to look inside of yourself and say, how am I actually approaching my running? How am I actually approaching my training, right? And then to be able to vet that, this is the like the mindset part piece where it's like, how am I actually doing that? Like, am I doing that because I'm trying to be correct and right and look good all the time at training? even if no one else is there and it's just me, like if that's what you're doing, then there's a good chance that you're not coming from a place of freedom when you're training and and when you're racing. And so it's about, you know, you can do it a bunch of different ways. Um, But it really comes down to having a conversation with yourself. That could be in the form of journaling. That could be in the form of finding your own coach. um, Or that could be in the way of like just talking with another runner. In my experience, though, people are very, very afraid to be totally honest with someone because they, they think that it's better to not hurt their feelings versus tell them the truth. So most people aren't going to say to someone else, yeah, I think you're really underplaying your goals. Right. Like only brutal people like me are going to say, well, respectfully, I know there's, you know, I'm going to say to someone, listen, I know there's more inside of you. I just want to say almost every single client that has ever come to me, I have taken their goals and I have dialed them up. So it's just like what I do. I know there's something more inside of you. And the thing is, there's something more inside of everyone. Every single person listening to this right now, there is more inside of them. And if they don't look for it, they're not going to find it. So I'm going to push back on the journaling. Maybe journaling works for some. Maybe self-awareness is, is, a, is the doorway that opens it up, as you say. From my perspective, I'd done that for years and I'd tried on my own. But when I started working with you, it was having you someone skilled and being able to see clearly help me go through that process, question those beliefs, question those identity. And like you said, tell me the truth. I remember the time when you, when you told me you're capable of so much more than this. And it was, it was brutal, but it was so refreshing. And it was, it was, I still remember the freedom of being told that. And then, and then the fear that came with it of, whoa, what, what if I actually can do that, right? Yeah. So, so for those listening, like, I, I highly recommend 
finding somebody who is skilled that can take you through that process because the best case scenario is it takes you longer than it would if you didn't have somebody to do that. But the worst case is you never access that part of you and you never find out that you are capable of more. And, and having somebody like I was lucky to have um, just not just shortcut it, but just ex- exponentially found that for me. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. And, you, you know, and to be honest, that's what makes me a very outcome you know, I get exceptional outcomes for my clients and I didn't want to be, you know, so obnoxious that I'm like, well, you know, and I don't think I'm the only avenue for people, but the hard truth is that I will shave 10 years off people's journey because I just cut through all the BS and we get straight to what's going on. And, you know, that is my skill. And I don't think that that many people exist out there who have that ability to make people feel incredibly safe whilst being incredibly frank and fearless with them. And that combination, now for some people, they may, they, they may not actually want to access their own potential. That's another hard truth. They may want to, because it's easy, right, to stay middle of the pack. That's the easy place. But the problem is you've got this yearning in your heart that says I'm destined for more. I got more inside of me. Yeah. And then, but then when you start talking to someone like me, that other part of you starts waking up, waking up. And I stop allowing people to live in the facade that it's okay, that whatever they're doing is okay. And they can't resist anymore. And they're like, I can do this. Like, let's go for this. And then that's it. We're on the journey. And it is scary, but nothing could be scarier than living a life and saying, well, I did it vanilla. Yeah. Okay. So as, as you're talking, I'm flashing back to all our conversations and then the work that I did in between calls to access this part. And I just, I really resonate with that, that yearning in the heart because that's, that's what I had and what I still have. And, and, but you, you showed me a system and, and you took me through the steps, step by step to unlock it. And that, that was and still is the, the most important journey I've ever taken. So oh, wow. it, without, you can have the yearning, uh, but you, you need the, you, you need a trusted mentor to, to take you through it. So I'm just, yeah. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to, I, I just, I, I, I can't say if, if I hadn't found what I was capable of, I don't know if I ever would. Cause I don't know any other way. So, that's just how important it was and is to me. Yeah. That's amazing, Rob. You know, yeah. and can I just say, honestly, what a thank you for having that level of awareness and thank you for having that gratitude. And and thank you for vocalizing it as well. You know, um, you know, I can see what I can do for people and I can see that it is it completely changes the entire trajectory of their own identity. You know, sometimes if they're if they don't go there, like you went there so deeply and with such immersion, and you know, you there's no question, like you were hands down, like definitely the most hardest working client. You know, I'd be hard pressed to find someone else who has worked as hard, as diligently, you know, as you did. Like you were an A plus plus client, and you reaped those results. 
you know, because it was so intrinsic. It was just like, it, you made it you, you made it you. So yeah, I think you, you got to really own that credit for the way that you showed up and the way that you did the work. But the thing is the work is never over. Like even for me, even for me, it's like, where are my next levels? Where am I going? What am I doing? Let's go. You know, um, we've all got amazing things that are still inside of us. And it's like, let's unlock it and let's go forth and be more amazing and evolve. Not because we're not because we're not good enough. You know, as I say all the time, it's not because we're not good enough. It's just because I am enough. That's why I'm going to go for this. I am enough. That's why I will give this a shot. I am enough. And that's why I will dare to live my dreams. It's not a question of I'm not enough and therefore I've got to prove. No, we got we don't have have to prove anything. I don't know, maybe people listening, maybe you do have something to prove. Um, but beyond the proving is just pure freedom. I'm doing this because I can, period. Oh, and the work we did, so that I I always had that as a foundation. So when I was doing the work, it was never out of a deficit of trying to prove or trying to fill something. You always like reaffirm that, that, that I was enough. And, and I felt that, and I felt that that made the journey so much more meaningful and possible for me because I was coming back from that foundation instead of mm-hmm. trying to, yeah, tr- trying to fill a void. So that, that was, yeah. that's huge. I, it's all so much coming back to me. Uh, I just <laughs> want to get back. I just want to make sure we were talking about the problems that the runners were facing. I just want to make sure right. you, you covered them all off before we move on. Cause, um, yeah, I mean, though, I think those ones are the key ones. Yeah. You know? But all of them are just going to be variations of how a runner thinks about the race or how a runner thinks about training or how a runner thinks about themselves or what a runner believes to be true, you know. But just being curious, testing new methodologies, like the resistance, for example, that some athletes might have, some runners might have around doing a certain type of training. This is just ludicrous to me because I'm like, oh, if it's working for this other athlete, why wouldn't you try? right? Versus, well, this is how I've always done it. Well, good luck with that fixed mind. <laughs> right. Uh, and and that's no, there's no guarantee that just because it works for this athlete, that it's going to work for you because we've all got different ways that we do need to unlock ourselves. Like my best strategy and the way that I need to train is going to be unique. And so everyone needs to sort of do this balance of like input from others, but then input from their own self as well. Wow. Wow. Yes, that's a huge component. Uh, okay, okay. While we're talking about the results you got with me, there's two other runners that you've helped over the past three years now in a race called Costa Kosciuszko, which most of the listeners are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have run it. Um, but I think this is highlights what you have done with us um, in, in its own special way. So you first started working with Joe Ward in 2021. Um, to win Costa Cozzi. And I, Joe's been on the podcast twice. He knows um, that we speak about him. Uh, but to highlight what you've done with us over the last few years, Joe's previous best, best placing was 28th in the Costa Cozzi Osco. Then you worked with me in 2022. My previous, the year before I'd come ninth, uh, ran quite a poor race. My best place was fifth, which was nine years earlier. You then got contacted by another friend of ours, Mark Avery, whose previous best placing was 11th. And you took us all to the podium. Um, and I do say you took us because there is a common denominator and, I've, and I, you know, and a lot of people are talking about it. 
So what do you what do you do differently? Yeah, Costa Cozy, hey. Um, what a race. Uh yeah, I love this race. I love everyone who competes in this race and all of the volunteers and all of the, you know, everyone who's a part of this race because it's really a beautiful race. And I say that without even having been down to the race, but the way that it touches people and the way that it connects with people and the way that it it moves people and takes them to another dimension in a way is so profound. So when Joe and I first started working together, to, um, we were working on a whole bunch of other stuff and Krista Cozzi came up. So that wasn't our primary, that wasn't our very first goal. Um, I guess what would I, what do I do with all three of you is that ultimately we created the foundational narrative that I am the winner of this race. Hmm. So I did it with Joe, then I did it with you, and then I did it with Mark. And there had to be, so the very first thing I did each time is I always patch up any leaking holes. So I have to find what are all the beliefs that you have? What are all of the mindsets you have? What are all of the practices that you have that are leaking your confidence, that are leaking your performance, that are leaking your ability? Now, they may be technical. They may be non-technical. And my job is to work out which of them are technical, and then I need to send you back to your coach to go and work on those technical elements or for you to get better at working out how to fix those technical elements. And then at the same time, I'm the one who's sort of like, you know, commandeering the internal, the the non-technical elements, which is all the intangibles, the beliefs, uh, the, the, the identity. And so with that as an overall like it's very, it's it's not a silver bullet. It's a whole suite of things. And if you don't address the whole suite of things, then we can't get the outcomes. And I think that this is really, really my point of differentiation is that, you know, I have worked out what those suite of things are. And then I make them incredibly bespoke, incredibly unique, exactly to the client. So I don't like, I don't just tell people what they need to think. I don't tell people these are the wrong mindsets. I help people to discover and create their own and then I embed it into them and show them how to make it part of who they are. So they're doing all of the work, but I'm guiding them every step of the way and supporting them and empowering them every step of the way until like my belief is so strong that they start believing too. And then the two of us create this reality because of the belief and because of all of the practice that comes off the back of it. Amazing. And again, as you're talking, I'm remembering the work that we did starting with, with patching up the leaking energy. And I had it, if I, if I was a bucket, I had 20 holes in me that was leaking out all my energy. And I remember, and you know, it wasn't easy work, right? It was, it was saying no to people. Um, it was stopping doing all the things that I was doing to help other people. And, and, and prioritizing my own goals and dreams and 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 making sure that all of me was going towards it instead of um diluting yes that's a good point yes yeah i think you know i show people how to take their foot off the brake 
you know, um, ha but, but then sometimes people can think that they've taken the foot off the brake and that they're really flat gas on the, on the accelerator. But the problem is, you know, that there's some other, so they, they think they're turning over every stone. They think, they think they've tried everything. And actually I believe that I can always find you stones to turn over. Um, and that's, so with my program, the undeniable laws of winning, it goes through, like it's got each of these categories around how to win. Like, you know, I really learned how to win. I learned early. I got good at it early, but then remember I couldn't do it again. And then it took me 10 years to win that big one. Um, and so it's like, I've got, you know, I would be there. I wouldn't be there. I would be there. I wouldn't be there. I was consistently winning and then I wouldn't win. And I was like, how do you do this consistently? And I kept building my, it's more than a toolkit. You know, it's, it's like an entire, it is, you know, my work of art. It is my entire philosophy and ideology and way of being to how to how to fully embody being the champion that you always secretly dreamed of being and you know I'm not gatekeeping I'm giving this to people I'm showing it to people I am guiding them step by step how do you do this thing and it works and it's original. It's really original for, for them because it's unique to themselves. And all we've got to do is find what is the unique lock. What's the unique combination for your lock? And then when we can do that, you're free. You're going to go and win and do amazing things. That's such a beautiful analogy of, of that lock because I remember on some of our calls, you would you would be able to say something in one or two sentences that was right what I needed at the time. And as, as we started, I started to trust you more, you know, after the, I remember after our first call, I was like, oh my gosh, I am in because I just knew how amazing you were from that one call, but you would say things. And then I think I said to you once, oh, it all seems so simple. And you, you basically corrected me saying this took me 10 years to learn. So don't, simplify what i just said to you just because it took a short time but but well, you change yeah go on. that is rob that is a really really good point a really good point and i say this over and over and over and that too many people are dismissing things because it's simple hmm. and this is another invisible way that we like it's actually not that simple doing the work isn't it's mastery is distilling things into simplicity. That's mastery. The reason, like, that's why Einstein said, if you want to know if you know something, see if you can explain it to a, to a five-year-old. Mm. And what he meant was, how can you take the very complex and to distill it in something so simple? That is mastery. And that's why I always say that mastery is in the minutiae, like it's in the everyday. And sometimes, you know, I can see them. Sometimes my clients don't get the enormity of a thing that I'm maybe suggesting or teaching or coaching, and they'll sort of dismiss the thing. And I'm like, oh, no, they think it's too simple. Yeah. And what they want is this great, big, vast, complicated, intelligent problem, right, in order for them to, for it to feel valid. No, it's complicated enough. We're complicated enough. When you found a moment of simplicity, take it. Anything simple is 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 winning. 
Like, do you remember how you felt when you were running close to Cozzy, when you were actually doing it? Was it really that hard? Was it really this great big complex thing? Or were you just putting one foot in front of another? It was Did just you... simple. <laughs> what, what was it, Rob? There was no, it was joyful. It was easy. It was simple. It was, it was just, I, I wish I could do it all over again. Like it was just so joyous and so simple. And at the same time, was getting to that point simple. And at, and then on another level, so this is another very good example and perfectly illustrates of what is like a very high performance mindset or a very advanced mindset. It's the ability to hold two um, conflicting or paradoxical beliefs and for both of them to be true at the same time. So things can be both very, very complex and very, very simple. And both of those statements can be true. So for Costa Cozy, for when you ran it, it was really simple and it was easy, yet it was a brute. I'm sure that, that it was also really brutal and a slog, right? Like I'm sure even though what you brought to it was a joy and the, and the level that you were playing at, there's no denying that running 240 kilometers is kind of hard, <laughs> you know? What, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, I, I know I know what you mean. I think that during that race, I just remember all of the. I guess you always remember the best memories, but but I, I was in such such a mindset that it was pure. I just feel pure joy every time I think about it. Oh my god, that is so magical. That is so beautiful and so profound. And all I want is for you to spend more time in that place. Yeah. You know, because it is such a gift. You know, most people don't get to have that really enlightened. It's an enlightened experience. And this is a perfect illustration of, and you know what? I actually think that for your Costa Cozy run then, it was just uncomplicated right? Mm. Things don't always need to be this and that, right? But there's no question getting there wasn't easy. You know, there was, it was, it was challenging, very, very challenging, but the end result was freedom. You ran with total freedom. Yeah. I, I'm, okay. I've got to get myself back here because I, I just want to keep going back to that memory. <laughs> so there's people out there listening right now who are like, you know, what, how does it apply to me? So what can that runner um, who's kind of looking to go to the next level, what can they do to start building their own, as you say, mindset by design? Okay. Well, I think that the first thing is like probably to just maybe make a commitment to work on your inner world, right? And it can be as simple as, well, so before we do the mindset by design, though, I actually think that I don't think that the mindset by design is our first step, right? I think the first thing is that what I would do if they were my client is to make them aware of, of course, all of the leaks. Because if what we do is we build and build on top of like a leaking foundation, an unstable foundation, do you see we're putting confidence or we're putting technique or we're putting whatever great stuff on top. But if it's like, oh, it's all just pouring out, right? Or we've got a shaky foundation. So we're not going to get the consistency. We've, we've got to build that rock solid confidence first. So you know, the question is, how do I develop my mindset? How do I develop my inner self? Well, you've got to start by knowing yourself, by 
having the commitment to just saying, hey, I'm going to maybe not just assume everything that I think is exactly right and true, and maybe it's not exactly right and true. And I'm going to try and catch myself. What Maybe just try this little thought experiment. What do I believe about myself and about my running that maybe isn't 100% true? Right. And just seeing if they can sit down with that question and see if there's an answer. In my experience, people know, people know, people know that maybe they could probably do this, but actually they are making up this reason why they can't. Right. It's convenient to not know the answers because if we don't know them, we don't have to do anything. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) removing that. Yeah, like when when it, when if I ever have a client say to me, "Oh, I don't really know," I say, "Oh, well, but if you did know, like, okay, what what would we do? What could we try? What would let's imagine we do know, right? I don't want to sort of accept this. I don't know because it's like we're being a bit of a teenager. We're like, I don't know, but we're we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Okay, we want to figure it out. Let's not settle for an I don't know. So. I guess asking hard, hard questions, start easy, get rid of all, here's my, okay, here's my, here's my succinct response. Get rid of all judgment. Be really kind to yourself. Tell yourself that you're going to be honest with yourself and then write down some of the things that you think about yourself and your running that might not be 100% true. Or if they are true, they're holding you back and we might need to change those things. And if, what would they be? Write those down. Amazing. Even just starting there, amazing. Okay. I'm just running through those things that I'm, I'm thinking in my head. I'll do this exercise later. Um, you mentioned that knowing about knowing yourself. What is someone who knows themselves really well? Can you describe that person? So what's it like when you, when you know who you are and you know yourself? What's that end? What does that look like? Okay. When you know yourself, you turn back within yourself to find answers. When you don't know yourself, you're trying to craft your identity or shape your worthiness from things that are outside of you. So, for example, if I don't know who I am, I might go to someone and I'll say, oh, which of these photos do you think I look better in and which of these photos should you do you think I should use on my website, right? And now don't get me wrong, of course, I could just be getting people's opinions and that's a fantastic yeah. thing. But let's say um, someone doesn't, let's, let's put, let me give it, you an example actually in running terms. Let's say someone decides to run a certain distance or run a certain race and someone else says, oh, how are you going to run that? And then they share their running strategy and someone else says, oh, no, you shouldn't run at all like that. And they say like this, like that, like this, like that. And then all of a sudden this person's really insecure about how they're going to run the race. But maybe the person who gave them the advice, they gave that advice for maybe a really experienced runner or maybe they gave that advice for someone who has totally different skill set or wheelhouse in their running, you know. Um, And if you know yourself, you're going to say, actually, thank you for that advice. You know, that's really interesting. But you're not going to get concerned if some of those components don't apply to you 
because you know, actually, that's not appropriate for me because it doesn't play to how I like to run. Do you see? It's yeah. like, how do you like to race? How do you run? What's your style of things? Um, and you can work things out for yourself. So it's this balance of I definitely want to listen and that bit and that bit was really helpful. I'm going to take that on board. But actually those bits aren't appropriate for me because X, Y, Z. So, for example, in karate, I used to have instructors maybe say, oh, do this combination when you're fighting, do it like this, one, two, three. And they would give me an instruction for like a six-foot, 90-kilo male. Yeah. Uh, and just for the listeners, I'm a, an extremely tall, five-foot-three, you know, 65-kilo female. And so it's like that those that combo in theory is a killer. You're not wrong, but it's not for me. And you've got to know what is right for you. You know, it's about having this balance of being very curious and listening to people, but ultimately knowing inside of yourself, who am I? How do I do things? How do I need to do things? That's right for me. Your Costa Cozy run is such a prime example there, Rob, when you just decided on the run, I'm going to do a pace like this. You know, you, I remember you telling me you looked at your heart rate. It wasn't what you wanted it to be. And you said, you know what, F that, I'm going to run like this. That is knowing yourself, right? That is being able to look inside of yourself and find the answers instead of needing the watch to tell you what to do. Yeah. Okay. These are great examples. And, and just to that example, in the past, I would have been fearful. I would look at my watch and go, oh, look at my heart rate. I need to slow down. In that race, I was just, it was, it, I didn't even have a thought. I was like, I'm, I know how I'm running. I'm going to continue running this way. And I went on, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and that when you know yourself, mm. you're, not as, you're not nearly as afraid. You, you've just reminded me, I, I think I may have told you this before, but when we work together, this is just to, to reflect what you just said. I stop. I'm a. I'm a consumer of books, podcasts, and anything else that I can get my hands on to try and, you know, learn more about to be a better person. Right. But when we worked together, I stopped all of that. I didn't read a book for the time we worked together leading up to Costa Cozy. I didn't listen to a podcast. I listened to your podcast, the other interviews you'd done, and so any time that I would normally be doing that, I was doing the work that we'd set together, or I was. Yeah, I was doing my own inner work. So I can now relate to I was going internally. I didn't realize this until you just said it. I was going internally in those in that time to find the answers. And right. I'm going to go back to that because I'm right. shifting right. back. <laughs> oh, that is so yeah. good. I love that awareness because mm. you actually know, like mm. when you go inside of yourself, you realize you're like a universe of answers. And the knowledge that everybody had, like you may not know ever in this lifetime the mind and heart of a single other person. How can you ever really know what's in the mind and the heart of anybody else? We can't be sure, right, because it's so outside of ourselves. So whilst we can never truly know the mind of someone else, we sure as hell can know what's in our own mind and in our own heart. And it is such a gift when you know yourself so intimately and you have no surprises. There's just so much rock-solid self-confidence from that place because when you know yourself, 
you are unafraid. You've met every inch of yourself. You know yourself fully and wholly and completely. And it creates so much peace, confidence, trust, joy, all of those things. Now, in order to do that, though, we've got to like iron out all of the parts of us that are conflicting, the parts of us that are insecure, the parts of us feel threatened. We need to say, hey, hey, Rob, no, man, you're going to do this. I believe in you. You can do this. We can't let that mind run all over the place like a spoiled little toddler having a tantrum. We've got to pull it back. It's your mind. It's, you know, we can do that. And so by doing that inner work, you just become so immeasurably powerful. And the thing is, there's no secret. It's like available to you in this very second. All you need to do is start to be aware of your own mind, of your own consciousness. That's it. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm processing everything you're saying. I, I'm going to come back to um, having you guide me was without that. And, and I can, like right now, I'm, I'm just going back to that time without that. I, my mind would have ran and I, I wouldn't have known that I was, oh, maybe I'll just look at this thing or maybe I'll do that thing. Maybe I'm not doing it right. But having you to remind me, this is where we're going. This is what you want. This is who you are. And I think the big part of what you taught me, which we haven't, we've touched on, but not directly, is the emotional intelligence that you teach and, and, and is, is so fundamental to everything that you teach with people. Um, could you, could you speak to that, to the, the, the link between emotional intelligence and, and high performance? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of don't really use that term too much when I'm working with someone. Like if I'm working with someone in a practical level, I may not necessarily say, and now we're working on our emotional yeah. right? <laughs> because, because it's frankly irrelevant. All that person wants to know is how do I keep my call? How do I keep my shit together? Mm. How do I do it? Right. That's what they want to know. Mm. Like when I lost that fight in the finals, in that World Cup final, you know, what happened was I, my self-management, which is a component of emotional intelligence, went out the window. I, weren't, I wasn't able to manage myself, my emotional state, my state, my mindset. All of these things are oneself. And so if your emotional intelligence is low, then you won't have things like self-awareness. If you, if you don't have self-awareness and if you don't have accurate self-awareness, then you won't be able to be a particularly high performer. We all know someone who thinks that there's something that they're not. We all know what that looks like when someone thinks that they've got accurate awareness and how they think they are versus how they're showing up to the world is completely different. Imagine if I was running and I thought I had incredible technique and I was this and I was that. And you looked at it and you were like, oh, actually, Claudine, you're doing this funny thing with your ankle and adjust this with your knee and don't do that with your elbow. Do this and do this with your hand. And if I would have been like, Rob, I've got this, right? Yeah. And if I wasn't interested in expanding my awareness around and being accurate, I would be like the worst runner ever. So even if you just don't have that first part, which is accurate self-awareness, you're not going to be a great athlete. You're not going to be a, a great competitor. You're not going to be a great person. You're also just going to be really difficult to be around. Um, and, and then so we need, we need self-awareness. We need awareness of others. So when we're competing, we need to have a high level of awareness of others, which is 
the second sort of part of emotional intelligence. So it's awareness of self, awareness of others. Then we need self-management and then we need relationship management. So like if I don't know how to manage my relationship with the course director, if I don't know how to manage my relationship with the other athletes, if I don't know how to manage my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, with my, uh, with, you know, with my coach, all of these things matter because they're all going to affect your performance. So there are so many ways in which emotional intelligence in, is infused into our performance. And of course, everyone says, I want to be resilient. Well, what is resilience? But emotional intelligence, wow. so the ability to handle and manage your emotions more gracefully than ungracefully. Wow. Yeah, it's, I'm just processing again everything you're saying. It's it's um, it's quite profound for me to to step like you. It's like you're stepping through a framework that we worked through that I didn't know we were working through. So it's like you're showing me how you coach me um, uh, as as we're talking. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it's like, unless I'm going into a company, unless I'm going into a government agency, you know, I'm not saying to people, and here's the part of emotional intelligence we're working on, you know, or here's the part of, you know, sometimes I might, but very rarely, because all that, again, all people want to know is like, you know, um, and, you know, this is, isn't relevant to you. Rob, but for a lot, some of my other clients who might have challenging scenarios, say with their coach or difficult relationships with other people, like in order to navigate that, that's all around like authentic, like effective authenticity. How do you effectively communicate, right? That's really, really key um, to, you know, if I can't express my needs in an effective way, with my coach or with other people, then you were really, really going to suffer. So there are just so many elements that really influence how we perform and the journey, the journey. Like if my, if I don't have high emotional intelligence, the journey is so much more difficult. It's so much more suffering. It's so much more conflict. So if you're someone who has a lot of conflict, then the answer lies in how do I improve what part of my emotional intelligence might I need to improve in order to have less friction in my relationships, things like that. Just to highlight a point you just said then, just to give an example for me about that emotional intelligence, putting others' needs in front of mine was a big thing that I was doing. And that's how I was leaking a lot of energy when, when we were working together. But when, when, <laughs> when you made me, I was going to say, ask for what I want or oh, oh, that the resistance I had to even my wife to telling her this is what I want to do and this is what I need from you like the, the I just it was such a big thing for me to voice and to actually say to her and and that's the that's but but when I did she was like of course I'll support you of course like this if you know it was like a a new level of truth for us that I hadn't been able to or I'd been hiding because I didn't think it was okay to put myself first and say what I needed so that's that's how what example yeah right and you know Rob thank you so much for sharing that because you know that is very personal and and I think that a lot of people will be able to relate because in my experience people struggle enormously with the expression of their own needs and it's often at the detriment of their own goals or their own self and 
if we don't, if we don't come like those three things around what creates a high performance mindset or, you know, a, a really robust mindset is the ability to sort of um, vet or test or challenge your assumptions. So not realizing that there was an assumption that I shouldn't ask for this because asking for this is whatever. And then you can fill in the blank of whatever narrative you were creating but actually that narrative wasn't true at all because all it took was to have a conversation and that entire narrative became undone and I think this is what I do is I highlight all of those assumptions and all of those blind truths that people are following and they don't even realize that they're seeing it as a blind truth and this is how we sort of tease out and comb through like what are my belief systems which of them it's like a fish swimming in water it doesn't even know it's in water because it's so intrinsic to how it lives and this is the same for our own thinking and if we don't ever test those assumptions we're going to take them as hard cold facts right and once again, it's it's having somebody show you what your assumptions are. That that was the key for me to, mm. to for you to be able to point it out, and and for us together to highlight it. And mm. another one is going after the coast of Cozy was detrimental to the family. I had that linked up, and we unhooked that in one sentence as well to my wife and kids. Right, so. right. <laughs> it's like getting, we get a, I get a torch, and I say, let's have a look at this. Yeah. Like, we write them all down and then we lay them out. And then I say, okay, what about this one? It's really, what's really going on here? Yeah. Maybe let's have a conversation, you know. And this is definitely one thing that I always do to help make my client feel safer. It, no matter how long I've known them, I'll always sort of do this. I'll say, well, should we have a conversation? Now, listen, I'm not having any conversation at all, but I sort of throw myself into the mix so that it feels like, oh, should, you know, is this a good thing for us to do? Right, because I want my client to know how much I am on their side. Like I am so invested. I am so intrinsically immersed in my client's goals and dreams. Like I want them, I would, you know, I can't say as much because I don't know what someone else is experiencing, but let me tell you, I want them to a very ridiculous level. <laughs> Yeah, and I felt that. I still feel that with the, with the work we continue to do. It's like, I've, you know, you just haven't got my corner. Like you're staying next to me. Like that's how I feel. Like so awesome. Yeah, and and so to have somebody like with that level of knowledge, awareness, and and support is just it, it's it's so special. It's so special. It's it feels like a gift for me. Hmm. to be there you know because honestly like this is my fullest expression of myself and I know I've got even more to give like I have an infinite amount to give you know when people say like oh you've only got so much to give not me I got so much to give like I feel like I've got oceans and universes to give like I've just got an immense load that that will it will not stop and you know it feels like a force i feel like i have a force of nature inside of me and when someone knows that i'm with them that's it there's two of us who are doing this thing there's two of us who are going for this you know when i think about james blanton who you know did yeah. big backyard uh, you know just in october um last year 
I mean, the level of investment that I had in James in that race was, it was paramount, you know, it's the same, like at least with the 24 hour race, right? Like with the 24, you know, with you, I was on tender hooks, Rob, for 27 hours, you know, we, and it's like, everything has to sort of stop. I can't sort of do too much else. You know, I'm living on these updates and refreshing and, you know, um, checking things in the middle of the night. With James, it was three days and three nights. Mind-blowing what he did over there. Yeah. It was so yeah. incredible and it was so, um, so, yeah, for those who are listening and who, who aren't familiar um, with Big's Backyard, that's the last man standing event, um, last person standing. And, you know, they do um, the 6.7 kilometres every hour on the hour until everyone but one person loses the will to live. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, James uh, did a phenomenal feat by even just reaching those world championships. And then he got in touch with me and said, hey, listen, I've accidentally qualified for these world champs. Uh, how do I do this? And I was like, let's go, right? Yeah. Um, not that he accidentally qualified because he very consciously did 60 loops um, at his last backyard. But, yeah, that was an incredible, incredible feat and an incredible journey. And, um, you know, and anyway, I just love being so committed I feel so grateful to be involved in my clients' goals and dreams because it feels so important and so meaningful and it's a joy to be a part of. So beautiful. Before we say goodbye, is there anything else that's that's been called out of you that you wanted to say before we wind up here? I think the one thing that I would just like to say to everybody is that no matter what you've done and no matter what you've accomplished, there is so much greatness inside of you and that you are so incredibly capable and, and it will never disappear. Wow. That, that you, your time isn't up, you, your time hasn't passed, the time is now. And that at any moment you can turn a corner, at any moment you can decide, at any moment anything is possible. And that is the power of being conscious and being aware. So just know that there is so much more inside of you and it's there anytime you're ready to look in and to take it. Well, thank you for that amazing blast at the end. <laughs> Claudine, um, how do people find you? How can they follow you? Um, how can they start to work with you? Can you tell us? Sure. Thanks, Rob. Well, um, the, I guess I would love to connect with anyone and everyone who is listening to this. Um, you know, please, uh, if you would like to join my, it's totally free, my mindset um, newsletter. I send out a, a, a mindset email every single week. Um, and it sort of, it will be, it will be tips. It will be strategies. It will be stories. It will be a whole vault of things. Um, I share a lot of things first there as well to that online community. Um, so you can do that. And as you do that, you will actually get my totally free under undeniable laws of winning. Um, and those are some of the key frameworks that will, you know, if you can master those, then you can master unlocking your potential and your winning as well. So you can get that little freebie and um, you can join my email list on my website. It's claudinechi.com. So C-L-A-U-D-I-N-E-C-H-I.com and then forward slash 
win. And that's where you can sign up and get that freebie and then join my email list. They can find me, of course, on Instagram, um, claudine.mindsetcoach. And actually, I'm not sure when you're going to be releasing this, Rob, but if it's um, not too not too far away. I'm actually holding a masterclass in Sydney. It is very limited seats. So I apologize in advance if they're all ready sold out by the time that this podcast goes live. Um, but if not, please, you know, if you're in Sydney, join me there. Otherwise I'll be doing some other masterclasses online. So again, if you join my email list at claudinechi.com, um, then you'll be able to be the first to know. And by the way, some of the online um, classes that I'll be doing, I'll be doing those totally for free. Um, because I really want to make sure that I cater for people of all budgets. Um, I get that not everyone has, a, a, you know, a lot of money to be investing in their mindset. And I want to make sure that I can still serve people um, at all levels. So, so yeah, so that's how they can reach out to me. And, you know, I would love to hear from them. I honestly love getting emails from people about their goals, their dreams, their challenges. So um, you can find my email address on my website as well. That is so generous of you. Um, and I guess if I can say, just speak to that a little bit, um, what we cover on the podcast is I'm going to have to listen to it two or three times to really let it soak in. But there's a part of you, if there's a part of you that's calling and, and, and there's a desire in you. And I know that there is like, all I can say, and speaking from my experience is you don't, you, you won't quite know how to get there. Um, and I'm going to say it without working with someone like Claudine, it's having somebody to guide you and to help you and to show you what you can't see is is just imperative if you really want to unlock that part of you and it it has been such a journey for me and one that i don't i never would have taken and i never even knew was possible so what i'm saying to you is your potential is limitless and you don't i would never have understood what it was like until i went on the journey with claudine so if you have any interest or curiosity at all take just just learn more from claudine and do you know sign up to the newsletter and everything because there is so much you can learn by by going through these processes that she takes you through and you don't really know what you're in for until you is it take the red pill in the matrix and then you go down is it the red or the blue sorry i don't know but just yeah. take them both take them yeah, both, take them both. <laughs> take them both and just have a great ride like let's go like we got one life let's take our foot off yeah. the ground and go for it you know and the community of people that I meet and work with are just astonishing and I cannot wait to be you know one of the things Rob last year in in the undeniable laws of winning I ran the first cohort through the program and it was just unanimous. Everyone who was in that. So it was part online, like people learning all the videos and doing the modules. And then I did like live group coaching and brought all these people together from different fields, um, different sports, um, you know, different businesses, you know, leaders, athletes, just people who were wanting to, you know, expand and unlock their potential. And I want to bring more people together like that. So being around people, you know, don't say to yourself, you know, I'm not, I'm not that advanced yet. No, don't, don't bench yourself, get off the bench and, and participate because it's here for you and it's here for everybody. So yeah, we don't need excuses. We just need, yes, yes, I'm here to grow. Yes, I'm here to do it. Yes, I'm here to get out of my way. Amazing. Claudine, thank you so much for your time. It's flown for me. Um, I've just loved it. So thanks 
from the bottom of my heart for everything. Thank you so much, Rob. And honestly, thank you for being such an awesome human being. I know people will absolutely love this podcast and it's truly my pleasure to be on it. And thank you for such a deep and thoughtful and sincere conversation. It's been awesome. Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something practical and useful out of this podcast or something inspiring to help you get out for your next run. If you have a question about Mindset for Runners or athletes in general, please email me at robmason.run at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. If there's anybody you know who could benefit from the information I share in this podcast, please share it with them. See you next time.